exactly. I always say your friend is here for the good times, the bad times, right? They're here to lift you up. They're here to cry with you. They're here to motivate you. But one thing a friend is there to do is they're not there to be jealous of you. They're there to support you. That could be a friend in your relationships, maybe an other. That could be a best friend in life, whatever it is. And I think we get wrapped up with labels, with titles. And when that happens, we associate with that. You know you become basically who you hang around. Yeah. Uh, I lay on the sky, you gotta glow. You gotta glow. You gotta glow. She had my attention, she gotta know. I'd like to welcome everyone to another episode of the Let's Get Up podcast. I'm your host, and this episode I have John Morley to speak about his journey in entrepreneurship. You can find more information about him and his podcast by clicking the link in the description below. I'll give a content warning for Sean Lee's Jewish episode, and I hope you have a nice day and enjoy the show. So, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ezekiel. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for wanting to be a guest. So, First question is, can you go over your origin story? Sure. I um, went to college. And uh, when I went to college, I knew in my freshman or sophomore year, I was very sure that I didn't want to work for somebody else. And I didn't know what I was going to do, even though I was going to school for engineering and technology and stuff. And I didn't know. And my dad um, had a family business and my mom, so it was actually my mom's business. And my dad had his own business and um, they had an issue with one of the computers I built from a while ago. It wouldn't turn on. And I explained to him they could go to one of these local stores. I can mention the store because they're not in business anymore. CompUSA, you might remember those people. They were horrible. And uh, I said to him, go there and tell the guy, you know, just have him fix. He needs a battery or whatever. It'll probably be like 125 bucks, whatever. He said, okay, no problem. So this is on Monday, drops it off Tuesday, Wednesday. They still don't have an answer for him yet. Uh, Thursday, they get back to him and tell him that it's going to be $1,600 to fix this computer. I said, just wait, time out. <laughs> I said, I'm going to be home tomorrow uh, from school. I come home on the weekends and uh, let me handle this. So they said, okay. I said, it should have cost you 120 bucks, not $1,600 plus tax and all this stuff. So I come home, have lunch, go over to the store. And I said to him, uh, and I made like, I didn't know what I was talking about. I said, uh, you know, my friend who knows a little bit about computers, I don't know anything about technology. I said, I'm an idiot when it comes to this stuff. But he said, this is like, I don't know, some kind of a coin thing. I don't really know what it does. But he said, there's a spot in the motherboard, like somewhere, and you can kind of change this thing. And so he said, uh, Okay. I said, maybe we can figure out, maybe we could just try to change it. So he opens the voice, he says, or maybe we could see, he says, I'm not really sure. So we're looking around. I said, oh, maybe it goes over there. I see a spot for it. He's like, okay, I wonder how we get it out. I said, I don't know. I said, I think there's something on the side. We can just like release it. Yeah. You know what? Maybe you're right. I said, yeah. I, I don't know this stuff. You know it better than I do. And he goes, well, I've never changed a battery. I said, okay. And um, the guy uh, puts the battery in and the computer boots up. And he says, uh, okay, let me get my manager. Manager comes over. He says, okay. So he says, that'll be 1650. I said, 1650. I said, we just put the battery. Oh no, no, sir. We already changed the motherboard. You changed the motherboard. We already changed the motherboard the other day. We ordered your new motherboard. 
But my father didn't say to do that. No, but we figured you were going to want it. I said, can you do me a favor? Can you read me the serial number, the last four digits of the serial number? Yeah, sure. Is that four? Yep. K, L. What's the next one? R, Z. Yeah, look what I got on my phone. See, that's a picture of the serial number from the motherboard. Now, to be honest with you, I'm actually going to school for engineering and you guys are frauding the public. And so that $75 you charged my father to analyze the computer was a big crock. So I suggest you give me our money back or I'm going to make sure you appear on Fox 5 and news on your side. He gets another senior person. Long story short, they came back. I said, what do we owe you for the battery? He's like, don't even worry about it. So I realized that Ezekiel, that I had a talent. And that's when I decided at school to start a little business. Didn't make any real money at it. $5 for phone consulting, $10 for computer consulting on site. Now, that wasn't $5 Ezekiel per hour, like you might've thought was good money. No, $10 per hour on site, <coughs> no way. That was $10 to fix your problem. $5 to fix your problem by phone. My first customer, a friend of mine, became a friend of mine. He actually said to me, John, he says, I'm having a problem. Can you come over? I said, sure. I said, it'll be $10. I come over there. I said, what can I do for you? I'll call him Chris. That's not his name, but I'll call him Chris. So what's wrong? He says, I don't know. He says, I'm trying to play this Dungeons game. I said, you brought me over here to help you figure out uh, that type of thing. That, 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 that's, what, that's what you brought me over here. You brought me over there for, 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 that, for that purpose. And I have to tell you that, uh, that, that that's a little bit crazy because uh, nobody, nobody does this. And uh, I... I, I don't understand this. He said, I said, well, I got to play the game. He says, the game is very, very important. I said, okay, um, we'll, um, we'll help you out. And uh, I started looking at it and I'm like, this is going to take me a while. Meanwhile, I'm getting there on a school night. So I'm getting there like at six or seven o'clock at night. I'm not spending till like 10, 11 o'clock at night because we have to both be in class tomorrow at seven or 8 a.m. So I said to him, you know, this is going to take some time. I said, I'll come back, you know, like on a Saturday morning, you know, when when we don't have class and I can go through this and spend some time. He said, you know what? He says, uh, he says, um, you know what? He says, I'll tell you, what do I owe you? For? I said, you don't owe me anything. I haven't fixed anything. So I come back on Saturday. I spent a couple hours and uh, he says to me, um, so you're not able to fix this. I said, no, I'm able to fix this. This could take me some time. So there's something called DOS, which many of you may be familiar with or maybe not. It's called Disk Operating System, not to give you the whole origin of it. But DOS used something called conventional memory. So what's conventional memory? So that was the 640K, which many of us are familiar with. So if you ran DOS programs in the very beginning days, you couldn't load them into extended memory. You had to load them into conventional memory. All right. Well, his DOS program was not a Windows program, so it had to load in conventional memory. Now, at that time, we had all kinds of crap loading, like TSR programs, terminate state resident programs, like your antivirus programs. Uh, you had memory drivers that were loading. You had drivers to load your hard drive, drivers to enhance the speed of the read and writes of your hard drive. You had a mouse driver loaded, a sound driver loaded, because if you ran into DOS, they had to be loaded because they wouldn't work in the DOS mode because the Windows drivers only worked in Windows mode. And so I spent quite a bit of time. <laughs> 
going through his config.sys file, his orgzec.bat. And I said, oh, I know what the problem is. He said, what's the problem? I said, you don't have enough contiguous memory. Well, well, <laughs> contiguous memory is when you have memory that basically has no gaps between it. It's going verbatim. Like if you have one to 10 and then you have 11 to 15, it goes step by step. And it's not like one to 10 and then you have 11 to 16 blank and then you have 18 to something. And that causes issues because you have to have pointers going to different places and it causes your computer to be slower because it's not all together. So I spent some time doing this. And uh, just at the end, uh, I'm working on it. I said, load the program. He loads the program. He's like, oh my gosh. He's like, the program's loading. I said, I said, he said, well, just wait. I said, just try to play something. So he tries to play it for like five or 10 minutes. And um, when he tries to play it, uh, it it it, it uh, is unfortunately it, it he 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 couldn't he couldn't believe that it actually worked. So that's that's the only thing. And uh, I, I don't know the best thing to tell you, but uh, he he was he was very very he was very very happy uh, about this. And um, that that's the that's the thing that I think impressed him the most is that you know it, it actually worked and so um he said to me john he's like you actually fixed it and so um i was pleased it was the first thing i ever fixed you know for a, for a real client and he was happy so i said you know i guess i got a future in this and so i didn't know where this was going i had no idea um and so I was talking to him and he was just like very happy. And then I started realizing that I have more of a future. And so then I started doing things like doing internships um, and uh, did stuff on school where I became head of the telecommunications department. And so um, it was interesting just because, you know, I didn't know where this was going. And he, you know, was saying to me that he never believed. And in the end, he said to me, he says, what do I owe you? He says, you were here like several hours. He says, I owe you like 50, 60 bucks. I said, no, no, you owe me 10 bucks. He's like, 10 bucks? He says, 10 bucks. I said, $10. Can I write you a check? I said, no, no checks. It's cash. So you don't take, no, I don't take credit cards. It's cash, just $10. All right, can I give you a sandwich? I said, if you want to, you can. I said, but it's just $10 for my service. So he was very grateful. He made me like a, a Stouffer's or one of those Ilios pizzas because he was so grateful. I was there over four or five hours. And so I realized that I was good. And they had a nickname for me at college. It was called Morley's Smoke and Mirrors. I used to want to help a lot of people. I still do. And I was at the computer labs with the UAs. And they didn't know what they were doing half the time. But there was, oh, call John. He can help you. My phone, Ezekiel, was ringing off the hook with people I didn't even know. So I said, you know, this has got to stop. So I was uh, an intern for telecommunications department. I was the first intern ever. I didn't pay for any of my phone service because I said, if I'm going to give my time and I'm going to critique everything, I shouldn't have to pay for it. They reluctantly agreed to that. So I never had a phone bill, which was nice. And I, I remember uh, anytime a new feature came out, I got it. At that time, 9600 baud was like the fastest modem for a school and it was digital. So I could be on my modem talking through a phone, which was digital and talking on a phone. 
Well, one day I decided to figure out how to regulate people. So what I did when people used to call my phone is I set up one weekend, I spent a couple hours and I just poked around and I set up a maze. People would call me and say, hi, this is John. Um, Please hold on. And if I'm currently available, your call will be transferred to me. What you didn't know was that it was actually looking for something. It was looking for a four-digit code. If you didn't enter my code, you went right to voicemail. What I started doing as I got busier uh, and I was involved in student activities, I would forward my phone from where I was to another place. And uh, it was just crazy. And I remember people saying to me, John, how do you, how does somebody reach you? There was a teacher that I left a message one time and they called the university as a telecommunication where I said, can you tell me what John's phone number is? Yeah, this is phone number. Yeah, but that's not the number that showed up on the voicemail. Yeah, that's a complicated thing. I, I, I don't even want to get into this. John has this whole, well, his number said it was like 9801 or something. Yeah, John's phone number changes every day. What do you mean? It's, it gets complicated. I don't even understand it. So I had a script written that changed my phone number. I had like 50 different phone numbers, the like last four digits. You could never dial those numbers unless you were on premise. So whenever I left people messages, they never got my real number. Those numbers always went to, we're sorry, the number you've called is not in service at this time. Please be sure you have the right number in mind. And people were going crazy. So then I asked the university for a very specific function, which they never give people, we were allowed to forward our phones from one place to another. Well, not only did I forward my phone, I asked for permission to be able to forward your phone or anybody else's phone on premise. So I had a number that didn't belong to me that I was borrowing and I could forward that number. I could forward the principal. I could forward the, well, in this case, the president of the college. I could forward, I mean, it was very dangerous. So they said, we're going to give this to you, but if we have any complaints or problems, you know, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. Uh, to this day, I believe I still have access to their entire system. I never use it, but it's just very funny because, you know, I set up this thing called Morley Smoke and Mirrors and they said, John, we don't care what you do, but when you graduate, do us a favor, just put it the heck back because we don't want to figure it out. And then he says to me, um, he says, uh, you know, John, what about the people that want to reach you? I said, well, that's why I need this new feature. If I had the phones forwarded, I could get calls from everybody. But then if I did want to get those, I could only get calls from people that knew a four-digit code I issued. With. So that started my crusade. And then um, I realized I was destined. Um, I left college and there was just so many stories. But before I even left college, I, I uh, hired this large marketing and advertising graphics company in Manhattan. I won't give their name out of respect, but they were working for me up to 11 years ago and I fired them. And I remember I hired them before I even had a company. My dad was helping pay, was paying the bill. And you know, you're working with the wrong company when the company takes you out to breakfast, lunch, or dinner based on the deposit you're giving them. Now, let me explain. I'm going to use some arbitrary numbers, 100, 200, 300. Those are not the numbers. So one time I told the gentleman, I'm going to give them $100. So that would mean they would take me out for breakfast at a little diner. 200 would take me out to Bennigan's with a sandwich and a dessert. 300 would take me out to Ruth Chris Steakhouse. So I sent him, told him I was sending 100. I sent 300. Lady calls me back. Hi, John. This is Karen from Ryan March Lady. So how are you? Listen, John, I'm not sure if you know this, uh, but Katie and Brian, they uh, have twins. I said, well, okay. I said, um, 
She says, and I'm not sure if you know, they've been sick for a while. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I said, well, what can I do? She said, well, I don't know if you know this, but Katie got in a little fender bender a few weeks ago. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know, like, how this plays into my, like, what, where I'm going with this. And she says, uh, and Brian, unfortunately, has the only car. So he has to take Brian, uh, Katie, and the two twins to the doctors at 8 o'clock, which is the time for your, your meeting this one. Okay, no problem. Let me get another morning. No, no, no. How about we do lunch? Well, we can't do lunch because Paul's come in from corporate to audit his sales records. Just do it another day. It's no big deal. No, no, no. I got you booked at the last possible appointment with Ruth Chris in New York. And so, you know, when people are playing games. So I decided, and I'm going to fast forward because there's a lot in there. I got certified in neurolinguistic programming, uh, took a psychology course, uh, got certified in hypnosis. And later on, after I graduated, I realized that I was being taken, that I was being abused, but I didn't know how to do anything, Ezekiel, because all the programs that were running in my head were actually happening because of people that put them there, but I didn't want them there. You know, things like you'll never earn any money. You'll never do this. You'll never be a marketer. Oh, you're never going to do that. And so I said, I got to stop this, but I don't know how. I just took this course. Why don't I start putting some of this to uh, fruition? One of the techniques I learned was how to manifest. And so I manifested my first luxury car. In six months, that car was sitting in my driveway. I still don't know how it got in my driveway. I mean, I do, but it seemed like magic. And so all this was happening to me. And then I realized, well, 11 years is when I kind of woke up again, had another epiphany. And this company is now 34 years young that I run the IT company, Jaymore Connection where uh, I designed the security for Wall Street. Our slogan is Wall Street trusts us with their IT and technology needs, shouldn't you? And so what I was telling people is that I can't rely on companies that I have to wait weeks and I always have to wait for something. I'm tired of waiting my whole life. So this is nuts. So I, I went to Xerox, who we're a client of, and I said, Xerox, how do I become a small mom and pop print shop? They said, simple, 150. I said, I'll give you the 150 bucks right now. No, no, John, not $150, $150,000. I said, oh, I'm going to need to talk to my bank. I went to my bank. My bank said yes. I was like, oh, now what do I do? Usually your banks say no. My bank said yes. I'm like, now I'm in a pickle because I guess I got to plunge. You know, I got I to gotta dive in. So I said, I got to start being creative. They gave me the 150 when I wanted it. So I went back to... The Xerox company and said to them, look, I only got 130000 Unfortunately, that's all my credit would allow me to have. I said, I want to shake your hands and thank you, tell you that it was uh, great working with you. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to work together. Now, I knew what I was doing. They came back to me in 30 seconds. John, hang on a second. Let me go talk to my manager. I'll be right back. Said, Did you want coffee? You want tea? You want donut? No, I don't want anything. Hang on. Just sit tight. Sit here right in one minute. I already told them no, I didn't have enough money. Goes to the office. Guess what they have this, this week? This week, we're having a $30,000 sale on any production machine. I was like, wow. And we're throwing training in free, another $10,000 value. I said, wow. He said, John, you're in luck this week. I, said, I guess I am. Next thing, I'm doing the deal. I'm in training. And now I go and knock on the marketing. I like, hey, guys, how are you? I knock on 7.30 in the morning. I see this, the head manager. I said, I want to come here and tell you something. I want to come here and say the words, thank you. 
thank you. I want to thank you. And I want to tell you, we had a great run and we're done. Can you hold on a minute? I want to get Chris, your sales account executive. He brings sales in. Hey, bring Chris in. I see if Brian's available too. Bring the sales rep in too. So he comes in. How are you? Hey, John, can we get you donuts? Can we get you muffins? Sarah made your homemade cake, pumpkin bread. I said, I don't want anything. So I said, you don't want anything. John, we've been working all night on a multi-million dollar campaign that we know that's going to set Jay Moore into the billions. I said, that's great. He said, you want to hear about it? No. 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 We just spent half of our night putting a campaign together for you. And you don't want to hear about it? No. I said, I'm actually here to tell you we had a great run and we're done. Oh, you mean with the project? I'm like, no, we're done. I said, let me be a little more blunt. I just fired your boss. Maybe he doesn't know it. I'm firing you. I'm firing your help. I'm firing your team. I'm firing the whole company. Comes back and he says, John. He goes, that's below the belt. He's like, we've been working together since you were a junior. I said, yeah, you were working with me since I had no money and my dad was paying you. Well, uh, how about we do this? Why don't we work on some kind of discount for you? I think we could do it even with us a while. Why don't we give you a 30% discount on any new work and any past work? I said, no. He's like, let's fool, let's quit fooling around. Let's go to the diner. I'll tell you what, we're going to give you a 45% discount on any previous bills and any new bills. I said, no. I said, you're not, I'm not going back with you. And then they keep asking me who you're going to go with, this and that. I said, we're going to another company. And then I mentioned some people like, oh, don't go with this one. Don't go with that one. They're terrible. And finally, I told them I'm going with a little company in New Jersey in Franklin Lakes, brand new company. Really? Yeah. What's the name of them? Neighborhood Publications. Oh, yeah. You know, those companies, they're fly by night. They'll be out of business in less than a year. Well, I don't think this one will. Yeah, I, I don't know that. I don't think they know what they're doing. He goes, uh, who's the manager there? So I tell him the sales manager. Then he says, who's the owner of the company? And I cover my mouth, John Morley. He goes, who's the owner? John Morley. So could you take your hand away from your mouth? John Morley. He's like, oh, bro. He's like, I feel for you, but you know, you're getting it over your head. You're over your head. And I, I don't want to see you sink. I want you to swim. And you don't know how to swim, buddy. So he's like, you know, I don't do that. You don't know what you're doing. And so we failed miserably for two years. After the second year, they magically came into my view again. Hey, John, uh, Sarah and I want to take you out to lunch. Okay, what for? Well, listen, we know you're getting busy and we want to help you because you're not used to dealing with Fortune 500 companies. We want to help you. We want to take some of those clients from you. We want you to keep the brand name. We'll do the work and you know, you'll be able to work more like a corporate company. And I said to him, why would I do that? I said, I busted my tail to get these clients and you're going to destroy that reputation for me in a fraction of a second. Why would I do that? You've obviously showed me how poor work ethic you have and that you guys don't know my market. How could you know anybody else's? I got a better concept for you. Why don't we take some of the clients you have, the ones that are basically 90 days or more haven't paid you? They're probably going to sue you or leave anyway, and you just don't know about it yet because you haven't accepted it. You're still you're still uh, looking at the river in um, Egypt, denial. <laughs> and um, why don't we actually come up with an ROI for them, a good marketing plan, 
get them some profits, have them repeat business with us. You can keep your name. We'll do the actual work and everybody's going to be happy. Uh, John, uh, that's a little bit uh, above my pay grade. I said, so if that's above your pay grade, with all due respect, guys, how can you possibly even afford to take me out to lunch when you don't even have the ability to put your money where your mouth is? Uh, we'll get back to you. Never heard from them again. And so um, I grew the company. Um, we do print production on graphics. Uh, we do uh, things on paper, plastic, metal, glass, wood. Uh, I'm a video producer as well. We produce over 100 hours of video a week. That's free. Um, I lead the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show where I interview, interview guests and celebrities from around the world. I started a motivational show called Inspirations for, Your, for You in January. And I just love helping people become better in life, Ezekiel. I feel that everyone in this life is entitled to have whatever they want. As long as they don't discriminate race, religion, orientation, color, or try to harm or hurt anyone. I don't say you can't be competitive, but you've got to do it with a gentleman's spirit. In other words, no political mudslinging. You need to be professional. If my ad gets more business, great. That's perfectly legal. But I can't do something to sabotage your business. That would be considered wrong, and that would be immoral and unethical. And so that's what I do. And I get people every day, Ezekiel. Uh, and a lesson I want to share with you is I um, had a gentleman, and uh, he's a high political person. And uh, I'm also president of a 501c3. Called me into his office. He says to me, uh, John, he goes, uh, when are you going to give up? Says, Excuse me? When are you going to give up with that 501c3 nonsense? When are you going to like quit with that and just realize, you know, you, you're, you're in over your head with that? Nobody even wants it. So I said, give me a minute. I sit back in my chair. I said, I will give up. And I was thinking for about five minutes when a little baby boy or a little baby girl tells their parents they don't want to walk anymore. He sits back in his chair, very smug, giving me all kinds of face, facial expressions. He goes, when blank is that? I said, you have two boys and a girl, right? Yes. They both went through school. They both learned how to walk, right? When did either of them ever tell you they don't want to learn to walk anymore? He's giving me more facial expressions, looking around the room for a few minutes. He goes, never. I said, you know, sir, I always knew that you were a bright and intelligent man the moment I met you four years ago. And I knew that you'd give me the right answer to the question. And that's the same answer to when I'm going to give up. You know what he told me? John, you're arrogant. Now get the blank out of my office. So we have this respect for each other, but there is the ego on his side that needs to be filled. So I don't play into his ego. I before I left the office, I said, you know, I was coming here with a humble heart to ask for your help, but you know, I don't need it or you. And I just walked out. And so why do I tell you that story? You see, everybody in life, Ezekiel wants to be the best. I get it. But everybody wants to be liked. Oh, like me, like me, like me. And uh, 
Oh, what am I going to do if you don't like me? If you don't like me, what am I going to do? Like, uh, I'm going to cry. I'm going to this. I'm going to stop my business. And so if everyone in the world likes you, well, that's wonderful. But you're not going to be a successful entrepreneur or serial entrepreneur. Because in order for you to be successful, you need to have some people that are fearful, not scared of you, but are just a little concerned of what you're doing. Because that means you're not bringing your A game to the table. And so that's an important lesson that I find that a lot of people don't understand. And what I tell people is, you know, when I started my business many years ago, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I was a business owner fighting to understand the rules of business. Several years later, I became an entrepreneur. So people say, what's a serial entrepreneur? I don't kill anybody, by the way. A serial entrepreneur is not anything you'll get arrested for. There's no felony charges for being a serial entrepreneur. A serial entrepreneur means that you have found something in your business that needs to be solved. So you get to start another business so that you can solve that need, which is what I did. I built a whole marketing and print production company to be Jay Moore's marketing and video arms. But another thing a serial entrepreneur is, is maybe you just have a vision to do something else. So a lot of people think just because they own a business, they're an entrepreneur. They're not. So an entrepreneur doesn't make excuses. An entrepreneur gets up. So um, in the morning, you know what time I get up in the morning? 5 a.m. I'm up at 5 a.m. I'm preparing my shows. Some mornings I'm here at the print shop. Um, I think I printed 500 flyers already this morning. And I saw a client this morning already at 8 o'clock. It had to pick up a printer. We're actually a national service center for Brother International. We, uh, we fix uh, uh, printers and whatnot. And so when you think about all this, people say to me, John, how do you become an entrepreneur? Because I want to do something that makes money. I get it. Don't worry about the money. Worry about your passion. Worry about doing the right things in life. The money will come, I promise you. It's just you got to do the right thing. A lot of guys, you know, in my field, especially the IT field, well, John, you know, uh, I'll give you a 50 or 100 bucks. Can you make the license just disappear? No. And so when somebody tries to play me below the table like that, I say, you know, I appreciate uh, you wanting to save money and I appreciate you thinking about me. I can't work with you in good conscience. So, I'm going to suggest you find another computer company. I can help you find one if you like. You see, I have a very high moral and ethical regard. So some people don't like me because I don't play games. I had a contractor and I wrote him a check. And his check was for, I don't know, 200 some dollars. But I said to him, sir, when you reach $601, you need to fill out this form. So he was getting close to this, to the 600. He was like at four something. I said, we can't do any more work with you till you fill out the form. He's like, well, uh, I'll get it to you. I said, we can't work anymore. He said, well, I I don't want to put all that information. It's confidential. Well, I don't get it. I said, it goes to our service and it's all encrypted. He was trying to tell me that he's worried about us. If there's nothing to be worried about, the only thing to be worried about is if you're doing something that might not be considered legal. He says, well, you know, he says, you're a good guy and all. He says, but maybe we shouldn't work together. And you get those people, Ezekiel, you know, and I always say, we're here to become a better version of ourselves and help other people become better versions of themselves. And many years ago, Ezekiel, when I left college, 
I didn't just go right into business. I worked for a government agency, unfortunately. And um, I was called a TSC, now a little lower than an engineer, technical services coordinator. That's the guy that figures out what to order, maybe connects a few cables, not very technical. I had the technical skills, though. It was a lot higher than that. They treated me very badly. I was getting paid a, a percentage of what I was worth then. But I figured it was good experience. It was good to get to see people and have a good attitude. But they were terrible. There was a lady who I call a Gestapo. She would watch every minute that I would sign in, sign out. And one time I would go to one of the schools that was part of this uh, government agency. And it usually takes me 20 minutes to get there. Well, one day it took me 24 and a half minutes to get back to the main office. So she comes up, she goes, uh, Mr. Morley, she says, uh, what happened? So wait a minute, what happened? I left that school. I came here. She said, what time did you leave that school? And I told her, she says, well, that would have put you back here. It should have put you back here four and a half minutes earlier. What happened? I said, well, there was a few traffic lights. Okay. So that probably gives you an extra minute. I said, well, I came out of the school. I walked down. I got into my car. I waited at the light for 30 seconds. I went to the next light, which was another 30 seconds. So she's like, see, you're, you're, you're already, you owe us time already. I said, well, then I came down to the, the street where I was going to turn into your driveway and it's 105 degrees. So I stopped at 7-Eleven to get a, a bottle of water. Aha, we got you. And I said, what do you mean you got me? You're stealing government time to get yourself a break or a drink. I said, it was 105 degrees. And I came in 10 minutes early this morning. And yes, <laughs> we don't allow that. So I said, I'm very sorry. I apologize. It will never, ever happen again. I'm less than two weeks to becoming vested for Thanksgiving for my part-time employment, which would have been pretty nice. And I said, you know what? I can't stay here anymore. So two days before Thanksgiving, I walked into the manager's office, HR's office. I'll call her Mary for now. That's not her name. Hey, Mary, you have a minute? Yeah, sure, John. What's the matter? I, said, I need to talk to you. Oh, sure. I want to say thank you to you. You're, you're welcome. I want to say thank you for helping me become a better version of myself and helping you become a better version of yourself. And she's like, okay. And she's like lost. Um, because I want to thank you. And I want to let you know that today is my very last day. Well, she just like went white. She didn't know what to do. And uh, I said, I'll finish my day and I'll be leaving. I go outside to see one of the workers helping them. I have an hour before I'm ready to leave. Lady's getting really nasty. She's like, oh, are you going to finish? She's like, you only have an hour and you got to leave. You can't stay past five. I'm like, oh, okay. She said, well, you'll come back tomorrow and fix it. I said, no, I won't be coming back tomorrow. Okay. Well, you're going to come back on Tuesday next week or Monday. I said, no. How about Wednesday? She's like, well, what day are you coming in? She said, your schedule is so screwed up. You don't work every day. I said, uh, I'm not coming back anymore. Oh, hon, I'm so sorry for you. You know, come here. I, I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. Well, they fired you. I, I saw the writing on the wall. I knew they were going to fire you. I said, fired me? I quit. Oh. And then they got a little rude. And so that's when I realized that it was time for me to start building Jaymore and start to building my company. And so I get people every day, Ezekiel, that support me. And I get people like, what are you doing? And this is why I had the philosophy. You can like me, love me, or hate me, and I'm still going to do what I do with all respect. 
And people don't get that. I said, I don't need your approval. I like it, but I don't need it. And so I think what makes me successful is I realize that it's about my passion. Um, have you ever woke up in the morning and have you ever stubbed your toe on uh, the bed or something or hit your elbow in a funny way? Well, when you do that, most people say some four-letter words and they get a little angry. And then so they stub their toe or their elbow and then they go take a shower and now they burn their shoulder and they say some more four-letter words. Then they come and they have breakfast. They pour the milk. It doesn't go in the cereal. It actually goes 90% on their shirt and only 10% in the bowl. So they have to clean that up. They have to, they have to change their clothes. Now they're going to be late. Now they get in the car. Now there's traffic. There's an accident. Now they're late. There's a key client in the office. They're late. And the key client decides they don't want to go with them because if this is the way you run your personal life, how are you going to run my campaign? You come home, you discover you don't have any food. And so it just goes on and on. So I equate this to a bump in the road. If you went over a bump, which I'm sure we have many years ago, do we talk about that bump that we went over five years ago? We don't even remember where the bump was. So if we can realize that stubbing your toe or bumping your finger or hitting something, even though it hurts for a moment, first thing I say is, okay, it's already getting better. The rest of my day is going to be great. Even if I knock something over and annoys me or something happens, okay, let me just clean it up. Uh, the rest of my day is going to be great. And I change my energy because a lot of people, you know, we always say misery loves company. And if I have a friend and a friend says to me, you know, like they're in a bad mood, I'm like, hey, Chris, I know you're, you're in a bad mood today, um, but there's a lot to look forward to. And if they still keep going downhill, I'm like, you know what? Um, if you don't want to change today, I was like, maybe we shouldn't hang out today. Maybe we should do this another time. Uh, all right. So we hang another time and they're still going downhill. It's like, you know, bro, um, I used to like hanging out with you, but right now everything with you is being negative. So unless you're going to change your pattern, I really don't want to hang with you anymore, bud. Oh, sorry. It's not a personal. And I think that's something that our world is afraid to do. They're afraid to exclude people. Now we're not doing it for a wrong reason. We don't want negative energy in our life. That makes sense, Ezekiel. Yeah, definitely. A lot of times, people are here for a good time, short time, sometimes a long time, and sometimes just need a break. Exactly. I always say your friend is here for the good times, the bad times, right? They're here to lift you up. They're here to cry with you. They're here to motivate you. But one thing a friend is there to do is they're not there to be jealous of you. They're there to support you. That could be a friend in your relationships, maybe an other. That could be a best friend in life, whatever it is. And I think we get wrapped up with labels, with titles. And when that happens, we associate with that. You know you become basically who you hang around. Earl Nightingale said something a long time ago, really struck a chord with me. We become what we think about most often. So energy where something else goes. So attention, attention. So energy goes where your, your attention flows, uh, attention where energy, energy flows where attention goes. And so um, when you can understand that, you put energy on something. Now, people say to me, 
you know, I just pictured having an, env- uh, an elephant in my room. Well, it's not going to show up. There is a time delay between that. So you have a chance. And negative thoughts do have less power than positive thoughts. But we don't want to keep thinking negatively because if we keep doing that, we're going to bring ourselves down. And just understanding our life and where we're going is so important because if we don't understand something and if we can't be our own best cheerleader and we can't do what we want to do, how can we ever expect someone else to support us? I say something also, and you probably would agree with this. People will kill to get on a moving train that's left the station, but they'll barely lift a finger to get on one that's still safely uh, in the station. People will risk their lives to jump on a plane that's taking off, but they won't even think about moving a muscle to get on a plane that's on the runway. Yeah. People definitely like to be upon something that's already happening instead of like the beginning where the beginning is a lot of um, uncertainty and a lot of things, like a lot of fear. And I think this happens, Ezekiel, because a lot of people are lazy. And they want to just hop on something like they want to come when the chocolate or the Boston cream pies are made. Don't invite me over when you're making it. Just invite me when it's done because I don't want to help you make it. Like, <laughs> And I know it's sad, but so you have to be a little discriminatory to what you're doing. And as a, an entrepreneur or a serial entrepreneur, you have to really guard your energy. You know, and uh, Mr. Uh, Dale Carnegie, who we all know, uh, wrote some great books and audios. And uh, he said two important things. We said a lot of things, but two important things. One, he said, get to know somebody's name. And if you don't know it, ask them how to say it. The most beautiful thing for someone is their name. So don't botch it up. If somebody has a weird name, like, I don't want to kill that name. Would you like help me? Like, how do you say that? How does it sound? Can you pronounce it? And the second thing is, Strive to become interested in the other person. Now, obviously, I'm on an interview today, but normally I'm boring. Okay. The other person is interesting. How many of you ever gone to a networking event and they just throw business cards at you? So I'm talking to you and this guy comes along and says, hey, can you just put your card in your pocket? Uh, I'll I'll catch you later. Yeah, sure. I'll put your card in my pocket. I'm going to put it in my left pocket instead of my right pocket. I don't care what pocket you put it. Well, you should. Why? Because when I get off the boat, all the cards in my left pocket are going in the garbage, the trash can on the boat. He goes, see, that's an example of low energy. People that are rude, people that are saying, hey, I'm first, instead of being humble. So what you should do is try to become interested in the person. But how do you become interested in the other person? It's not an FBI interrogation. OK, uh, where did you go? Where were we at this time? It's not like that. Uh what kind of job? That's not a, That's not what you're doing. What you want to do is ask questions like if you're at an event together, there's a mutual event, like we're having chicken together. What do you think of the chicken? Oh, I love the chicken. My mom used to make this chicken back when I was home from school, and uh, I just loved it. Really? What kind of chicken did she make? So I'm going to ask that kind of question. Oh, she did this and that. And I said, yeah, I bet she's a real good cook. So now we just got off on this whole tangent of this cook. Uh, and now I bet you must be a good cook. No, not really, but I like to cook. Really, have you made anything? So now we're totally, we're not talking about any business stuff. And then I might get into something like, um, so I I bet you, you know, wanting to get into cooking or maybe if she said to me, I like cooking. So um, 
I, I know your mom's probably really passionate about that. What are you passionate about? And now that's going to lead into something. Is that what you do every day? No, I wish I did what I was passionate about. I just got this job because it was the only thing I could get. Oh, you'd be a great nurse. You'd be a great this or a great that. And now you're stroking their ego. Uh, or I go back and say um, something like if I'm talking about something, I'm talking, I'm like, um, maybe I'm giving them a business card. Before I give the business card, I say, you know, I enjoy learning about you. Um, you know, I feel like we're friends that met at a sandbox, like we were only five. Would it be okay if I gave you my business card? Would that be okay today? I'm sure. And I gave it to you. So always ask for permission. So don't just go and say, hey, can I give you my business card? Demonstrate some credibility. Demonstrate some sincere interest. Because if you come there, you say, okay, oh, your mom did that and your, your mom made those cut chicken. Well, that's great. Well, listen, I'm in the IT technology, but that just doesn't go. Well, I would love to get some of those chicken bites for my company. Like, that's just too cheesy. Well, I'd be like, yeah, you should talk to me because I like to order some of those for my party. Oh, what kind of party? Oh, at my IT company. By the way, and, you go, and that's rude. And so people do that. And when people do that, you can almost sense it and you detach from them. So I think everyone's always trying to get what they want. But I always tell people, help enough people get what they want, and they'll get help you get what you want. So one of the things we started uh, a while back is we realized that people, a lot of people in our world can't afford computers. So what we do from our clients is anything in the last four or five years, we take the computer back and um, we destroy the hard drive safely so that there's no way of the data going anywhere. And we actually shred them. Uh, we take them apart. We boil them. So there's no way it's coming back. And um, what we do is we put windows back on there. We clean it all off and we give it to people that are in need. People out of the service or people that are needing a computer to get a job. And so that's something new we started in the last year. Um, helping people get computers that need them. And so I think when you do something for a purpose, that purpose has to resonate with your heart. And one of the last important things I want to share, I could share all day long, but you know, when we manifest Ezekiel, our mind is important. Like with that car that I manifested, I put it as a screensaver on my screen. I put it on my phone. Okay. And I got that car but I didn't really understand how I got that car to later. My mind helped me, but there was one other piece that helped me get that. And most people discount this. Do you know what the most important manifesting part of your body is to get anything you want? What do you think it is? Besides your mind? Uh, your heart? Yes, your heart. Your heart is more than a pump. Your heart, and the shock of your heart throws that energy. And to convey that story, <coughs> the last one I'm going to share with you is there was a, a kid. And this kid uh, had gotten a heart transplant. He was a teen. And uh, the one that gave him the heart was just a few years older than him. And uh, so he got the heart. And after the surgery, they asked everything was. He says, everything okay? He says, yeah, everything's great. He says, but I have a craving for something. The mom's like, sure, what do you have a craving for? I have a craving for Kentucky Fried Chicken. She's like, 
but Jason, you, you, you hate Kentucky fried chicken. I know that's the strange thing. I, I have a craving for it though. So every day he wanted Kentucky fried chicken or at least a couple times a week. So they talked to the people that gave the heart and said, you know, this is really great. You know what you did, your family did for my son and that he was able to be a donor. But I just have one question. Sure. What is it? Um, my son, after the, the, um, the operation, all he wants to eat is Kentucky fried chicken, like almost every day. And the lady's like, oh my gosh. She's like, that's all Brian ever wanted too. He lived on Kentucky fried chicken. So the memory of that came in. And the same other thing happened. There was a girl that got another heart transplant. And she was actually murdered, unfortunately. And she was kept from telling who murdered her. After the heart transplant went through with this other girl, she kept having nightmares of somebody coming after her, killing her, abusing her. And she had them every night. Finally, they brought a psychologist in, a drawer in, uh, the police department in. And they did a description. And within a couple hours, they arrested this person that actually murdered this girl. And she gave the location because she was able to describe it in the dream. So if that isn't powerful, Ezekiel, I don't know what is. Um, I believe that we're all connected on the general conscious level and that um, there are things that happen for our greater purpose. And I always say uh, that if our creator, if our Lord, our God, whoever you believe in, um, I'm Roman Catholic. If you don't get what you want, you're either going to get it or you're going to get something better. So I tell people to be open to how your life unfolds for what you want, because you may get something even better. The last thing I'm going to leave with everybody, if you want to catch any of my great content, uh, I have a link tree, uh, which we can pop down there. But my link tree is really easy. It's just L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash J-O-H-N-C-M-O-R-L-E-Y serial entrepreneur, S-C-R-I-A-L-E-N-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. And I leave you with this. If people in your life tell you no, your job is to realize that that should have no weight in your mind, in your body. So when you hear that, somebody says to you, John, you're never going to be this. Now what I say to them is, I understand how you feel. And I can see why you might think that. And you obviously don't know what I'm capable of. So you want to be respectful of that, but you want to negate it. Don't harass them. Don't hit them. Just disagree with them. And your mind's be like, I don't agree with it. Like right now, many years ago, I would say something like, you know, you're never going to have any money. When I say that today, I can't like, you know, when you say something and it clicks in your mind, I can't click on not having any money. Like it doesn't click for me because I've changed my beliefs. And you could do the same thing. Your beliefs become your mind. If you change your words, you'll change your thoughts. If you change your thoughts, you'll change your mind. If you change your mind, you will in fact improve the quality of your life, Ezekiel and viewers. And that is what we all want here, to become better versions of ourselves and help others become better versions of themselves. Nice. And pretty much we getting close to time.
So I want to again, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for being a guest and sharing your story. Thank you, Ezekiel. It was a pleasure to be with you today and to share some of my wisdom with your wonderful viewers. Nice. And I guess like the last question would be, like when the first two years of your business was like failing, how did you like work through that? Prayer. Um, knowing that what was in my account today is not what would be in there tomorrow. Knowing that I got here because of the thoughts I had yesterday. And I had to start realizing that. And when I realized that things in the future happen from where I think today, but I got where I am today because of where I got tomorrow. Where I'll leave you on that is so many people tell me, oh, John, I don't have any money. I'm having these challenges. You understand I have to pay bills. I can't feed my kids. I can't do awesome. Well, there's soup kitchens and there's stuff for that. And I volunteered for that. But what I will tell you is this. When you tell me you don't have any money, you tell me you're getting judgment. You tell me you're getting all this stuff that's just wrecking your life. You're asking for it. You see, you just keep saying you don't have any money. You can say, I'm working on a plan to get this paid off. You need to focus on how you're going to do it. Um, so when somebody says to me, John, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I say, show me the way to grow my business. Not, I don't even know how to start. You can't have a negative. It's like, show me what I need to do. Connect me with people that are going to be for my higher and best good. And that's not an easy thing because even my family, um, they wanted me to give up many times. John, go get a job. Go do something. And I think the family cares about you, which they do. They love me very much. But they don't ever want their son or their daughter to struggle. But I think that struggle is what ignites a fire or a passion to be able to get where we want to be because you're not going to get something easy. And the reason for that is you've got to be able to understand a challenge. And once you do that, then you're able to celebrate that victory. Remember, what do you do every day that makes you feel proud and grateful? And the last tip I'm going to leave, which is really, really viable. Every day I take off my ring at night and I put it on in the morning. When I take it off, I go through a gratitude ritual. Do you thank the universe for everything you have? And you say to me, John, I can't thank the universe for anything. I don't have any money. Do you have a family? Do you have this? Are you alive? So when you get up, I'm grateful that I got out of bed. I'm grateful that I can breathe another day. I'm grateful that I can walk. I'm grateful that I can eat. So you can be grateful for so many things. And when you do that, more things in your life will show up that you can be grateful for. Nice. And I think we're going to end this episode there. Again, thank you. And you thank can find you so much, Ezekiel. It was my pleasure. Anytime. That brings another episode of the Let's Get Podcast to a close. Again, you can find more information about John Morley. We'll click the link in the description below. This is the last episode of Season 7. You can find more information about my upcoming plans for Season 8. But listen to the closing episode, which also came out today. Hope we need a nice day, and I hope to see you there.